Welcome on back into the Slinging Sports Podcast. Your host, Jake Finnerty, your co-host, Wally McCain. Wally, a very different atmosphere today recording. Uh, this week it's snowing. Last week I'm pretty sure it was in like the 60s. Yeah, I think last week you were wearing a t-shirt. I was wearing a t-shirt. We had some wonderful weather in the 60s with the sun. And then one week later, turn on a dime, sunny Syracuse, New York becomes snowy Syracuse, New York. Yeah, it's uh, you know back to the dreary, dreadful weather. Uh, like I said, that damn uh, groundhog lying again. He's not uh, lying. He, he said is, it was six more weeks of no, winter. No, he's lying. Winter he's lying. Right now. He's he lying. Wasn't lying. He was he's lying. He's lying. He's lying. I will always blame him. He's Phil lying. Phil always right, man. <laughs> uh, but almost March here. Are we ready for the madness? I was born ready for the madness. This is the year, man. This is the year of perfection. I'm telling you, 100%. Not actually. I don't know. There's there's a lot of madness going on. We'll get into that in a, in a second here. But before that, of course, we'd like to talk about ourselves. You know, be a little selfish here, but enjoy, you know, the the great things that have been happening in our yeah. lives. So we're going to go into a highlight of the week, Wally. What, what's been going on in your life? Um, not so much a highlight right now, but uh, I've been a little bit sick as of late. Not not sick sick but a sore throat um but i'm feeling better um and i'm going home this weekend uh to hang out with my family it's my grandfather's 94th birthday um so celebrating his big day i'm very excited for it and again on the come up with my health which will be very nice always great to have a a nice great celebration with your family especially going home you know the heartfelt the heartfelt nature of home um and and being able to see everyone and celebrate and have a good time and of course get back to great health you said it exactly. Yeah. And yourself, what's been going on with you? Um, you know, this this past weekend had a great weekend with with everyone. Uh, had all of our friends up this weekend. Um, had a lot of people visit. It was a very good time. Um, but this upcoming weekend, kind of just you know, the, it, it's weird saying like it's kind of nice to just like have a chill weekend and, and relax. But I feel like right now I, I kind of need it. You know, there's a lot going on. So highlight right now is just relaxing settling down getting getting, getting getting to wind down a little bit before this march madness hits us yeah i feel like this year in particular it's been our first year of college without covid yeah um, obviously it still exists but it's not impacting our lives these weekends are insane man they, yeah they take a lot out of Some, you. sometimes sometimes it's it's like you get those those two weeks on you need that one week off yeah. it's like uh big time you know it's like it's like series in baseball. You need you need that travel day. You yeah. need that travel day. Yeah, they are. Uh, well, we're gonna go into some speedy slings, of course. Our quick headlines before we get into the real beef and the beef and cheese of all this. So, um, first up, UConn women's basketball loses to St. John's for the first time in eleven years. This also being the first time in ten years that UConn has lost multiple conference games. Yeah, uh, it's the highest-ranked win for St. John's since that win against UConn 11 years ago um, when UConn was the number two team in the country. Um, and as you just <coughs> said, UConn losing multiple regular season games in the con- in their conference for the first time in a decade, which is absolutely insane of how dominant they've been. Yeah, I mean, dominance doesn't even really describe UConn in, in my yeah. eyes, I feel like. <clears throat> you, see, you see them every single year, year in, year out, and especially you and I growing up, we've seen them dominate forever. Um, so every time UConn loses, especially in a monumental way like this, it's, it's kind deal. of insane. Yeah, just losing one game and <clears throat> automatically becomes a headline. It's <clears throat> crazy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so moving on, of course, we're talking about golf recently, a lot yeah, of new, golf guy. new, new top dog in, in golf's world rankings after the Genesis Open. That's John Rahm. John Rahm taking this this tournament this weekend, moving to the number one spot after Scotty Scheffler took it last week after a win. Uh, Rahm moves right back up. He's the fastest to three wins in a season since Johnny Miller in 1975. 
which is pretty insane. He's won three out of his last five starts, and those those five being the five starts of this season. That's legitness. Yeah, that's a that's it's a good great. winning percentage. I have it's a great. question for you in the golf world, <clears throat> John Rahm, uh, native of Spain, España. Um, in the Genesis Open, the top eight positions besides John Rahm were American. Is that a thing right now? Are the Americans the best at golf? Is that just a coincidence? Is there um, anything with that? It's kind of it's 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 a lot of variation. You see a lot of guy. You see a lot of English guys up there as well. Um, not not so much in this tournament, but Rory was hanging around for a while. Yeah. Um, but you've seen a, a lot of transition as well with the uh, with the live uh, league opening up, um, and and a lot of guys transitioning over to that that golf league. Um, so it's been a bit weird in in that sense of the golf world. Um, there are a lot of primarily U.S. Uh, con- contestants, I guess you could say, in um, these tournaments, especially the the not the smaller ones, but uh, just a lot of those regular P- PGA events rather than a lot of those majors. So right. I'd say I'd say it's it's relatively uh, normal to see a lot of a lot of U.S. guys, but having that many in the top ten is is kind of insane. Yeah. I like it. Good to Ma- know. Max Homa as well, uh, winning the uh, the Genesis Open two years ago. Uh, he had a he had a very heartfelt speech after um, after this one because two years ago, of course, his family was not there. This year they were. He could have won it on the 18th. He he missed a uh, an eagle chip in. Oh, man. So he could have tied it, brought it to a uh, brought it to a playoff. So it was a it's a tough it was a tough scene there, but would have would have been great. One more thing about Rom is Rom has made nine million. Four hundred and two thousand seven hundred fifty dollars on the tour so far this year, and that's in five starts. That's about seven thousand dollars per swing that's of his golf club. Gig. Because that's I, great. I, I see things across sports. You look at Kenny Galladay and the Giants, uh, his catch per per dollar comparison, or you look at Mahomes' <clears> throw <throat> per dollar and everything. Seven thousand per swing. I'll take that. I'll so take that and <clears throat> and that's nine thousand through two two months here. Yeah, that's, that's insane. insane. <clears throat> that's legit. Going to the XFL, of course. Have to talk about the XFL. And we're talking about opening weekend. Was it exciting? Um, from what I saw on Twitter, <coughs> yeah. And the most important thing to me with these leagues, like the USFL, the XFL, uh, if they want to succeed, they should not compete with the NFL. That shouldn't be what they do. They should be making the game more exciting. And the way the XFL did that, in my opinion, is by removing the onside kick and instead doing the 4th and 15 bit. I don't know what the team was. I don't really care who the team was. I'm not going to watch the XFL. The St. Louis Battle Hawks. Yes, man. yes. So, uh, it's sad. They beat sorry. my San Antonio Baramas. <laughs> sorry, sorry for uh, disrespecting the St. Louis Battle Hawks. AJ McCarron. Then I did see that exactly, Mr. Uh, and Mrs. Alabama. Yeah. Um, but seeing that type of play, that type of performance, um, that's what's going to make the XFL work. They don't need to compete against the NFL. Add in these different rules to make it a little bit more exciting, and that's what you're going to get. I, 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 I won't say that I watched one of the games in full because I didn't, but I caught bits and pieces of yeah. every game, and uh, I watched highlights of each, of course. Um, I thought it was a very exciting, very good first outing. Um, all, the, all the games seemed to come down to one possession except for maybe that fourth game on Sunday night. I actually kind of for, I forget the final score of that, but I remember it uh, did not end up going well for the Guardians, I will say that. Mm. Uh, but... It, like you said, they, they can't compete with the NFL. It's not the NFL, and they know that. Um, it's players out there trying to prove that maybe one day they can the be in the NFL or make it back to the NFL if they aren't in it anymore. Um, it's, I thought it was, a, I thought it was a, a huge swing and a hit uh, for, for this weekend for the XFL, and 
I, I think it's it's going to pick up a lot of traction, especially being on ESPN every weekend. That'll definitely That's going to be big. ABC um, as well. And, yeah, and uh, The Rock, of course, being the owner. We've talked about this plenty, but uh, he's got a lot of involvement. He was at all the games this weekend. Yeah. Uh, very, very good opening weekend for them, and I'm excited to see where this goes. I know you probably you, – you, really you aren't a big person on it, but I, I like to see the developmental league yeah. uh, of the XFL, you know, come back. Uh, sticking with football, we're going to go to the NFL. And a couple of headlines here. We got Eric Bieniemy joining the Commanders. Yeah, um, kind of the big brother of the XFL with the NFL. Bieniemy, uh, this is his chance to prove that he can be a head coach in the NFL. Um, the thing about Eric Bieniemy that has always confused me and confused a lot of people is why isn't he a head coach? He's been involved in Patrick Mahomes' development. The yeah. Chiefs have been the best offense in the, over the last five years. You put it all together. Um, and yet each year we go through the head coaching cycle and there's no Eric Bieniemy. And... I don't know why that is. I'm sure there's a reason for it that we don't know. We're not interviewing the guy, but I think this is his opportunity to really show it doesn't matter that I have that Andy Reid is above me. Doesn't matter that this generational talent is my quarterback. I can do it. Well, so. here's here's the question I pose to you as well: Is the Commanders obviously the past couple of years Ron Rivera the story fantastic? Yes. However, his job is a little bit on that line. They can't fire him. But you know the resign, the resignation can come at some point. I think it should. Have do come you? Already. I think so as well. But do you think this is a segue for Bienemy to take that head coaching job for Washington? Yes, and I saw the I saw a similar concept on Twitter, and I 100% think that this is what Washington should be doing, because um, you have that guy in the building. You give him a year. Um, you can even give him two years if Ron Rivera isn't ready to retire. You let Bienemy cook. You see what you have. You want to make sure that that is the guy, and that's who you want leading your team. And then you step away from Rivera. And I mean, you look at the commanders right now, it's very up in the air with their quarterback situation. Yeah. They're saying they're going with Sam Howell. Carson Wentz is to be cut. That's that's already been almost 100% decided yeah. at this point, <laughs> um, which, again, another waste of signing Carson Wentz, another team. Uh, but you see what they have with Biennemi being able to do what he can with, whether it's a Sam Howell offense, a Taylor Heineke offense, wherever he goes, uh, or whatever direction they go with that. But also, maybe next year, if you're in the position to get a quarterback in the draft, what he can do with a younger quarterback like that. Yeah, I think true. it's I think it's the perfect the perfect position for him to go. I think it's a good fit for both sides. Yeah, overall. I agree. I agree. Uh, Brock Purdy having his surgery delayed because of inflammation and swelling in his arm. Yeah, and uh, reportedly it's not going to alter his timeline of returning as well because even if he had the surgery, it would just make the recovery time longer. So making sure that the elbow is mobile, um, a little bit healthier, not inflamed before going into the surgery, nothing really gets affected by it. Um, I'm really excited to go into the storyline throughout the offseason of if he's QB1, if I, it's Trey Lance, I'm really excited. About I was it. I was gonna I was gonna pose that question: is you know even even if he's on that recovery track to return, do we think we see him starting, or do we think we see Lance on the field? If it was up to me, I'd go with Purdy, just because you know what you're getting. Trey Lance has played, I think, like three live he's probably, action he's football probably games. Probably started four in the in the, in, and, in the last three years yeah. though, because uh, the FCS didn't have a season in 2020. He didn't play a game. He had one like showcase game. Um, he's played. He started what two games uh, this season? This past he season, he start. He started two this season. I think I, I'm maybe, almost positive he started one or two the season prior. Maybe started one his rookie yeah. year. Um, the guy's barely played. Brock Purdy, that's a winner. We've seen him play every game that he played until the end. Um, he hasn't lost, and obviously he got hurt in the 
NFC Championship game. I'd ride with Purdy just because you know what you're getting. I mean, Mr. Irrelevant becoming plenty relevant in the starting talks. And, Which is also and just like insane, that. though, considering San Francisco traded up. They traded the house to go get Trey Lance, and then they ended up end up using the last draft pick. well are they are they gonna are they gonna use lances maybe trade bait for another team do you think any team wants do. to try and trade for him yeah i mean based on what we've seen in the nfl over the last couple of years you can trade anyone for a second round pick Josh that's Rosen, that's Sam very Donald, true um whatever you want you can trade a maybe a, zach wilson soon a rookie quarterback <laughs> i don't know if he's worth a second round pick but Lance, you could totally get a second-round pick. I think you can get an eighth-round pick for Zach Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> Considering it doesn't exist. Yeah. Uh, so the franchise tag window opened up yesterday. Obviously, mm-hmm. you and I were conversing about this. They probably will not opt to hand out any franchise tags for at least a week or two. Yeah. Um, the deadline is March 15th. However, with it being open, of course we're going to speculate on who's going to get yeah. one. So... How how many how many people did you say? Did you just choose one or two or No, I uh I said three. I said Okay, three I also one. I also have three. And we have one so, overlap. Yeah, which we'll talk about. Yeah. Um so obviously I think we both chose for our respective teams. Yeah. So I chose Jawan Taylor for the Jaguars. Which surprised me that you picked Jawan Taylor. So I think <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. I think Jawan Taylor and this is I know why you're saying it's shocking because it's between him him and Ingram for sure. Yeah. Uh, and they're both in very similar situations. Both guys are going to get long-term contracts with the team. Not super long, but like a three- or four-year deal. Uh, so regardless of who gets the franchise tag, the other is going to get a long-term contract. Whoever gets the franchise tag is going to negotiate the contract after they get the franchise tag. Yeah. So I think that uh, bringing, or giving Taylor the tag uh, makes a little bit more sense because I feel like they've had a lot, of, a lot more contract talks with Ingram since the offseason has begun they're very mutual on that happening um i i haven't i should have looked at the exact numbers i did not um but i think i think it would make a lot more sense for Jawan taylor to get that franchise tag of course you need a very solid offensive lineman and i don't think taylor gave up a sack in the final five games of the season um taylor's a lock to keep for sure that both sides want are mutual on that same with ingram both guys will get long-term contracts. I'm not worried about the franchise tag in Jacksonville. They're going to use it wisely. So it's it's either Taylor or Ingram. I went with Taylor. It could be Ingram. The only reason that I picked Ingram um, was because it's, it's cheaper. The, the tight end franchise tag is $11 million For an offensive lineman, it's $16 million. Okay. That's the only reason I, yeah. I ended up going with Ingram. Um, as for the Giants, two top dogs, Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, uh, either of them could end up getting the franchise tag. Same thing for me, financially speaking. It makes more sense to tag Saquon. Saves you money. Give Daniel a long-term deal. It also just makes more sense, in my opinion, to give your quarterback a long-term deal rather than a running back because we've seen a lot recently that these long-term deals with running backs don't always pan out how yeah. you want them to. Um, I do think that both of them end up back in New York. Um, I think Daniel Jones, the report that he's, quote, looking for $45 million, I think that's a bunch of fooey. And I think Daniel Jones, who uh, now has a new agent representing him as well, I think he's going to get what he's worth. He knows that. Um, I think he's going to be back in New York. And I think Saquon will as well on the franchise tag. I don't buy the fact that he's asking for $45 million because uh, Patrick Mahomes is getting paid $45 million currently. And I know that, obviously, that deal took place at this point, what, three years ago? 2020, yeah. So... I mean, we understand that it's it's gone down because the market has inflated since, but I don't think he's going to get as much as no, as Mahomes is no. getting. <clears throat> He'll make somewhere 
between the 36 to 40-ish range, I think. Forty is generous. I was going to go 30 to 35. Oh, okay. I think he's I think he's going to get 36. It's a lot of money, man. It's a lot of money. We're just two guys speculating about money right now. Yeah. Um, like a lot more than I, I think I think both do end up back with the team. I think it's smart yeah. to tag Saquon. Um, I also have a running back as my next pick for a uh, uh, franchise tag, and that's Josh Jacobs. Uh, obviously, having that huge, I guess you could say breakout year. I didn't consider it a breakout He's year because good. he was fantastic his yeah. rookie year, so I can't really consider that a breakout year. He got back to where he should have been. Yeah. Um, I have Jacobs. I think that you know. They've got to keep him in this offense. Uh, you have Adams, you have Jacobs, you have Waller. Hopefully, who could potentially stay on the field if you know you need him to. Um, they just need a quarterback, and that's where it's gonna you know depend. Are they gonna draft Levis? Is something else gonna come up? Yeah, who Josh knows? Who Levis knows? We're gonna today. we're gonna see what happens. But uh, Josh Jacobs, I think, gets franchise tagged to stays in Vegas, which was also idiotic uh, in the first place that they didn't pick up his fifth year option. Yeah, which I, I really don't stupid. get. I don't know. Running like you have a guaranteed running back. I'm pretty sure he made the Pro Bowl at least once in the first three years. Yeah, he, I think he did his first year. And yeah. they also, they, I mean, last year in the playoffs, they almost beat the Bengals in the first round without yeah. Adams and Jacobs had a very solid game in that yeah. game. Like I would have picked it up. I don't know. Um, regardless, this last guy, both of us have this person as a prime candidate for the franchise tag, more specifically the exclusive tag. Yeah. I've do, done a bit of reading on, um, which is worth even more money, north of $40 million. That's Lamar Jackson. Um, I don't think he's leaving Baltimore. I don't think I don't think he leaves Baltimore. Um, I don't know what their, you know, what their relationship is right now. None of the reports have really come out on wh- where this is going, but I think everyone thinks – that Lamar's getting franchise tagged, ex- yeah. especially the exclusive tag, because whether that means they're going to keep him on or, or try and use him, trade him, uh, you know, dish him out somewhere, Baltimore needs to get something out of Lamar Jackson leaving, yeah. and this is really the only way to secure that. Again, so much money. 40 plus money. Uh, wait, <laughs> I, I don't, I will never see that kind of money in my day, so <laughs> I'm not really too worried. We could, I'll talk about it all I, all I want, but for now, it's just imaginary money to me. Uh, with that, we're going to move on to the NHL. The Lightning win big last night over Anaheim uh, after a two-game skid. Uh, they actually set a record with 15 consecutive games with a point scored at home. They have not lost in regulation at home either. Uh, that part's legitness, the, the <laughs> winning the winning uh, at home or not losing in regulation. Uh, the 6-1 win over Anaheim is not legitness. Anaheim's the worst team in the NHL. Um, in terms of points, they have a negative 101 goal differential, um, which is 40, or my mistake, uh, 35, 35 worse um, than uh, anyone else in the entire NHL. Um, they're still they're still getting wins, all right? They're still winning. Win. Yeah, wins they're still win. winning. They That's don't the they part. don't choose their schedule. That's the important part. That's the important part to win those games and to not have those flukes. Well, since since last week, obviously falling behind the Maple Leafs this this week, um, I feel like every single time we talk, it's going to be teetering on yeah, who's who's in second or who's in third. Uh, so this week, sitting at third place, um, we'll see what happens uh, to get. The gap between the Bruins, the Leafs, and the Lightning is closing a little bit, but it's not even touchable. It's still no. not touchable. There's still no. ten plus points. No. Um, it is closing, but it's not touchable. Uh, again, the Bruins on a four-game win streak right now. Uh, but the Lightning, again, we've talked about this. They're going to get either that two or three spot in uh, in the Atlantic. They'll be fine. 
it's that'll be there yeah i don't know it's, it's we can't really say much more because it's the same thing every week yeah it's weird um as for the rangers something that's a little been been a little different with them um as of late lost two in a row one of them in overtime at calgary um they got seven out of eight possible points on their uh road trip um, three of which were in Canada, um, Western Canada as well. That's a tough trip for any East Coast team. Seven out of eight is legit. Exactly. Um, but then they got uh, curb stomped by Winnipeg. 4-1 loss at the Garden. But there was their first regulation loss. Regulation loss. Regu- regulation <laughs> loss in over a month. Um, they hadn't lost a game in regulation. And it's not really your fault when you get 51 shots on goal and only one of them go in. Yeah. And Connor Hellebike, uh makes 50 saves for Winnipeg, <laughs> which is just absolutely insane. Um, and I was doing some research on Hellebike because I was like, 50 saves, you give up one goal. That's a freakish save percentage. Um, the guy's tied for second for save percentage in the NHL right now. Um, and he's top 100 all time this season in terms of save percentage for a single season. Wow. In NHL history. Um, so I'm looking at that. And then I look at that guy who's in first, and that's Linus Olmark with Boston. And his save percentage is like 0.2 points higher, or 0.02 points higher than everyone else in the NHL. Linus Olmark is having the sixth best season in NHL history in terms of save percentage right now. It is an absolute joke how good Linus Olmark is I think, compared to I the think, rest. I think we know who's winning that goal he's Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, but either way. Uh, Winnipeg, again, is also right in the thick of it. They're one of the top seeds in the West right now. It's not a bad loss to have. Well, I mean, we could talk about the Central right now. The Avs coming back in in that Central division. Uh, The Stars, the Jets, and the Avs all within five points of each other. Yeah, and what we see in the West is not what we see in the East at all. The East is significantly higher points. There's Boston with 90, Carolina with uh, over 80. Multiple teams in the 70s. The West, it's well, just the, everyone beating up on I was going to say, the West is just consecutively beating up on themselves. I mean, you look at the Pacific as well, which we'll talk about in a second here, but they're all within three points, the top four teams. Yeah, the the top six teams in the Western Conference, there's a three-point gap separating them. Compared to the East, you look at Boston, there's a seven-point seven gap between first and second, Yeah, which is absolutely insane. As for Colorado, though. Um, six two and two in their last ten. They haven't really been overly bad at any point this season. They've kind of just been hovering around, win a game, lose a game. They go on a four game losing streak. They fall out with a five game winning streak. That's just what they've been doing. Um, injuries haven't helped. Nathan McKinnon missed a month earlier in the season. Kel McCarr is back in concussion protocol. Um, they haven't really been able to build any consistency due to that injury bug that's been going around. And yet, even so, they're still hanging in there. And and despite that injury bug, they are on a three-game win streak, capitalizing on that as the Stars go on a four-game losing streak. Uh, the Jets still ahead of them, though, uh, with that one-game win streak. They're five and five in their last ten. Um, there's a lot of a lot of competitive hockey going on in the West. We'll go we'll go to the Pacific right now. First, I want to highlight Connor McDavid scoring his 800th point last night, 800th career point. Yeah. Um, pretty insane he i think he was what like the fifth fastest to get to 800 career points yeah he's had a freakish uh career since he was drafted yeah. in 2015 it's uh it's pretty remarkable but the oilers making a push right now tied with the kraken at 50 or at 70 points and then you have the kings and the knights battling for that first spot i mean they're all battling for the first spot but the yeah. knights sitting at 73 and the kings sitting at 71 when we had that debate a couple weeks ago, we were talking about the Knights, the Kraken, and the Kings. We didn't even mention right Edmonton. There. Yeah, yeah they're, they're a little further out. Um, my takeaway with Edmonton, though, is the goaltending is just absolutely atrocious, considering that they have uh, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl on that top line. Um, prior to the win over Philadelphia, um, 4-2 win, they lost three straight one-goal games 
by scores of 5-4, to 5-4, four, to four, and 6-5. to five. If you're putting up four or five goals a night, you should be able to win those games. Um, they blew a 4-1 lead against the Rangers um, on home ice. They ended up losing that game in a shootout. Um, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, though. David leads the NHL in points with 105, which is 20 more than anyone else in the NHL. And that one person who's next with 85 points is Leon Dreisaitl. So they've got the top two guys in the entire league, and yet they're still at 20 point gap. I think this is almost exactly what happened last year, too, isn't it? It is. That's what they do every they were, year. Yeah, they were they were leading point, points in the NHL, and they were like a three or four seed in, yes. in the playoff. They, it was... They've been they've been doing it for four <laughs> four or five years now. Um, but McDavid 1.47 points per game in his career, um, just filthy. I mean, Someone, he's absolutely insane. I I he's he's the, one of the greats playing right before our eyes. I I wish. Obviously, I don't want him to be in the Rangers division because then I would have to hate him. Yeah. But I just wish that he wasn't out west. Like I wish he was in the Eastern we'd, Conference. We'd be able, so to, we'd be able him. to watch him more. Yeah. Play him, play him more than twice a year. Um, I love, I love to watch Connor McDavid. Um, just play hockey. Beautiful. Congrats, congrats to him on the 800 points. Um, he's insane. Amazing, amazing feat. We're gonna go into the halftime hustle. We're gonna go into drip of the week. Um, do you want to start us? You can. All right. Let's go. Um. Before uh, before talking about mine, I want to, you know, shed light. I don't like to shed light on, um, you know, the bad things that have happened, but obviously the tragedy that happened at Michigan State's campus um, with the active shooter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to bring any attention to that. I want to bring attention to those impacted. And at the Michigan State basketball game last night, their first game back, um, they left eight open seats at the front of their student section, uh, symbolizing the three students that had been killed and the five that have been hospitalized and are still in the hospital um paying a tribute to them and this uh the players the students all were wearing shirts saying spartan strong uh left those on those eight seats as well um a very great tribute to those students uh in such a tragedy that happened especially for kids like us who are also in college in that atmosphere and you know fearing that maybe you know that were to come somewhere else it's it's the unthinkable it's the unthinkable until it happens um it happens over and over again and yet still each time um it completely catches up us off guard um fantastic tribute by michigan state for doing that and Izzo very emotional after the win they beat indiana in that game and you could really see the emotion in his eyes and it was it was really uh just heartwarming to see yeah it's a great moment um Moving on, my, my drip of the week, a little, little bit more on the brighter side, um, from All-Star Weekend. Um, was a, we'll, we'll talk about All-Star Weekend. Yeah, we'll talk about All-Star Weekend. Yeah, I've got a lot to talk about All-Star Weekend. Um, my drip of the week is a little niche, and it's a little <laughs> weird, uh, but the, the Shaq cam was, was a very popular phenom. Uh, that, I mean, that was, that was one of my only things that I enjoyed. But I thought it was pretty funny. Um, and my drip of the week <laughs> is Shaq uh, putting his hand on Drewski's head. <laughs> And the reason that I put this as the drip of the week is because Drewski is not a small man. He is a pretty big guy, and Shaq just palms his head it's, like it's, it's a baseball. That's actually insane. It, it looks like his head is, like, tiny. It's awesome. I absolutely <laughs> love it. I think it's so funny how big Shaq is. Um, I think he's insane. Think like, you see those pictures. There's there's pictures of him, obviously, from uh, the, uh, the, what is it, the TNT tip-off mm-hmm. show or NBA on TNT. And, like, there's there's some days where he'll just have, like, a normal water bottle in his hand. And it's like he's just using the tips of his fingers, yeah. like, from here forward. That's like, all he needs. It's insane. He's so huge. 
Um, so giant. It's wild. Uh, Shaq, I love Shaq. Um, great to see his reactions on Saturday. Uh, talk a lot more about the All-Star game coming up and All-Star weekend. But we got to go to Player of the Week first. <laughs> and I've got an anti-Player of the Week. Um, I told you that I was picking this guy. Yes, and that's did. Paxton Lynch. He's the first quarterback to get benched in the NFL, the CFL, the USFL, and the XFL. Um, amazing feat for Paxton Lynch being able to do this, but uh, I'm sorry, man. You just don't have it, sadly. You may not have it. I, I won't say you don't have it, because I don't have it either, but you may not have it if that's the case. Well, like we see, now that we've seen the, the Geno Smith <laughs> archetype, we've seen Ryan Tannehill, I don't know how much lower you can get, though, than uh, being benched and everything. Um, Paxton Lynch, though, the guy was a former first-round pick by Denver. Yeah. John Elway's obsession with the tall quarterback. That's all he cared about, the quarterback being 6'4", 6'5". Um, Paxton Lynch was pretty good at Memphis. I didn't think he was that amazing, but he was good enough. Um, makes millions of dollars on a rookie contract just by putting pen to paper. And now he's getting benched in the XFL. Yeah, it's pretty insane. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll go back to the USFL if his contract, if he if he opts out of, or you know gets cut from his contract or something. The USFL I think starts in like April or something. Oh, you see all those Fox, uh, yeah, uh, for ads for it. them with the like one hail mary throughout the yeah. entire season that everyone was going insane over. Um, my play of the week, sticking with All Star Weekend, uh, which will provide a nice transition to what we're going to talk about as well, um, and that's Mac McClung, um, winner of the dunk contest. More specifically, why he's my player of the week. Um, going into the dunk contest, he had a career earnings of one hundred six thousand dollars, and alone, just by winning the dunk contest, made a hundred thousand. So nearly equaled um, his career earnings in one single night in like a what hour and hour time frame, probably. Pro- I mean, half. probably not even. So but... quick, couple of dunks, make a hundred thousand. Um, congratulations to him on getting that money. Uh, and we'll transition right into All Star Weekend. I'll start by talking about him. That was the best part of All-Star Weekend. There was nothing better. Mac it was McClung. Mac McClung in the dunk contest. Yeah. And that's surprising because I usually think the dunk contest is Stinks. the worst part. Mm-hmm. But Mac McClung actually made it entertaining to watch. Um, the dunks that he had, they weren't like brand new, but no. they were original. And yeah. he did them all on his first try. He was very, you know, they looked clean. And he, he performed them. He got the crowd reaction when they happened. It was great. I loved it. But I want to talk about the actual game itself. And it was an actual dud. Um, you know, I'm sure people that are listening, a.k.a. my roommate Casey, uh, will hate the fact that I didn't pick Jason Tatum as my player of the week because he scored 55 points in the All-Star game and most, set a brand new record. The most in NBA Yeah, set a, set a brand new record. Well, guess what? I really don't care. If you're shooting 30 shots in the All-Star game, which is basically <laughs> what his teammate actually called it, a glorified layup line. That's what Jalen <laughs> Brown said. And you're shooting 30 shots. Of course, you're gonna score 55 points. You're in a sh- you're just in a shoot around at that point. It wasn't even it wasn't enjoyable to watch. Players started sitting out after halftime. LeBron didn't play the rest of the game because he had a he had hurt his hand or something on a on a block attempt or something like that. Nobody played defense. That was worse than any Pro Bowl I've ever watched in my life. Before, like even before it was the flag football and everything like that. Way worse. And I don't think I've ever seen anything like that with the least amount of effort ever put into a basketball game. It was pathetic. And if the NBA thinks that that's, like, acceptable for their all-star game, that is sad. 
That was the worst performance I have ever seen put on in professional sport. Ever. Oh, you got a very, very anti-All-Star. Um, I, I'm looking at the highlights right now. 2023 NBA All-Star Game, full game highlights. The top comment from C-Factor221. <laughs> Shout out you. As a basketball fan, I would have felt more respected if they just kept their warm-ups on the entire game. Honestly. I didn't watch a minute of the game, by the way. Well, go- um, I good. I, I, I wish I didn't. I put it on, thought, thought you know, maybe, like, it'll be enjoyable to watch. Like, they'll have some fun, like, dunks, this and that. Not at all. No. It wasn't even like it was enjoyable. It was, at one point, they just started th- pulling up from half court. And I was like, okay, like cool your nba players go ahead yeah. but then like nobody was playing defense they could just <laughs> anyone can go down the lane and score if they wanted to yeah the final score was like 180 182 to 178 or something yeah it was ridiculous julius randall scored 12 points i didn't even know julius randall was at all-star weekend there was yeah. there was one player that did not score in the entire game it was De'Aaron fox and it was because he missed a wide open dunk that <laughs> missed it just hit it off the backboard or hit it off the back of the rim i should say um one all-star that I do want to talk about, and I very much appreciated this, and that, that was Anthony Edwards. And he had probably one of the best statements I've ever heard in my life, and that was, if you're, like, these players that are sitting out basically put a put a tarnish on the game. Yeah. It's awful to see. Because you got to think, your fans that are showing up for you may only have enough money to be at one game. And they came to that game to see you and you're not even there to play, and you sit down because you don't want to play. Yeah. said, if you're at least 80%, you should be on that floor. Yeah. And I think that for someone that's 21 years old, he might be already one of the most mature people in the in the NBA. Um, I don't know if he'd say I'd say he's the most mature. Didn't he have some, some not off, not the some, most? Well, one of the, but didn't he also have like some some off court issues about some things that he said? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's yeah, the only yeah, reason why yeah. I'm not. Yes, yes, I, yes. I, I, I did forget about that's that. That's the only I reason apologize. why I question maturity. But I absolutely love that he said what he said, um, especially as a 21-year-old, as you pointed out. Um, just being that brutally honest and speaking to the press, speaking to the media, letting it be known that Anthony Edwards, again, 21 years old, but he's judging you. If you're not out on that court, um, he's mentally judging you. He's getting um, energy from that. He's thriving off of it. Um, I'm glad that he said it. Um, I also found this to be kind of weird, um, transitioning Micah Parsons of the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, re- retweeting quote, it. Quote tweeted it um, and chimed in, and he also said, I'll never, under- I'll never understand why people skip games. Uh, and I'm pretty sure the top reply was uh, someone Someone putting a, a uh, an article up that he was sitting out preparing yeah, for the draft. His, his entire uh, his entire last season at Penn State in 2020, he skipped the entire season to prepare for the NFL draft, which is a different thing, obviously. But I just found that to be very funny. Or Parsons is like, yeah, man, you tell him that's terrible that they're doing that. Oh, I did the exact same thing that you're complaining about. It was it was weird, and I actually found that out earlier today. Our friend Colin showed me that article yeah. or showed me that reply on Twitter, and I was uh, I was a bit a bit iffy on that. Um, <laughs> you know, I usually like Micah Parsons and his leadership, but that was that was a bit weird to say something like yeah, that and then kind of be that. yeah, kind of you know he he did do that. Um, I don't know. Uh, two buyouts in the NBA, two of the biggest ones. Well, I would say one of the biggest ones. The other one, I, I got to talk about. Biggest, I got to talk biggest about. Biggest on the podcast. Um, Clippers adding Russell Westbrook. Yeah, uh, not gonna do ab- anything for uh, for the Clippers. Not gonna do anything for Russ. Uh, it's easy. It's an easy oh. life for him though. He doesn't have I to mean, move. I mean, losing losing Reggie Jackson. You know, losing John Wall. 
think it's I think it's a I think it's a solid move by the Clippers um, having Russ potentially take up that six man role that he was playing on on uh, the Lakers. I I, I think, don't think it'll make a difference. I think it will. I think it'll I be. I think it'll be good for them. I think it'll be good for him. He wasn't gonna do anything on the Jazz. Are you kidding me? I want I want things to be better for him, but I don't think that it'll make a difference. I don't know. I'm not a big Russ guy myself. I think but I'm the, just I'm just I, I, I like Kawhi, man. I hope the Clippers succeed. I think the train <laughs> has left the station regarding Westbrook, unfortunately. Well, talking about another former Laker. There of course, go. the best former Laker. The biggest news out of the <laughs> NBA this week. Who uh, cares about Tatum and his 50-piece? Pa- Patrick Beverly going back home. He's going back to Chicago. Yeah, uh, he can't really find a home, though. If he's <laughs> bouncing around from team to team, can't find one place where he's meant to be. Uh, he said the East was actually, I think, I'm pretty sure he said the East was easy. Or he said the East was, like, soft or something. So he preferred so, the East. Well, he want he thinks he thinks he that wants, he could he, wants the he thinks he could he thinks he could help pull the Bulls out from wherever they're at. I mean, like they're just in they're, they're games basi- out two games out of the ten spot. I mean, they're still basically in limbo. But like, yeah, especially from last year and Lonzo and oh yeah, and Lonzo year. Ball is out for the year. They mm-hmm. said <laughs> someone said that uh, the doctors said his knee was the most weird knee they've seen in their lives. <laughs> That's no cool. clue what that means. That's awesome. Uh, so Patrick Beverly thinks that he could bring this team back from from the dust. Maybe they can make the play in. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Happen. I think they're better. That would make you happy. I think they're better than Washington. I, they have to make the playoff. Patrick Beverly has never missed the playoffs in his career. Well, then you can get part two of Pat Bev jumping up on the scorers table. After oh yeah. The play-in oh game. yeah. <laughs> Especially at home, he's gonna yeah. eat it up. <laughs> uh, well, you know, let's talk about LA. Let's talk about the Lakers. Will LeBron and the Lakers miss the playoffs again? Uh. No. No, I don't think that they will. I think that they'll sneak in, um, and I think they'll get blown out of the water uh, in both of the playing games. I think they get in as the 10 spot. Um, no, 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 but I'm saying, will they make it out of the play-in? Oh, no. No, I don't, but I do think that they make the play-in, and I don't think they make it out of there. I think there's too many So they, they don't the make the offs, but they make the in. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Whatever that means, yes. That, that's what um, I, I agree with that. Um, I think that... I look at Oklahoma City. They're two games ahead of uh, the Lakers right now. I think Oklahoma City slides out of that spot. I think they're a little ahead of schedule in terms of playoffs. Um, I think the Lakers can get in there. I think once Chet gets to Oklahoma City, that's when they're gonna that's when they're gonna really exactly. put it on. It's really when they're gonna turn it on. Um, I think there's too many good teams in the West, though. More than anything, we uh, Portland and Utah are at the top of the conference for the first month or so of the season, and now they're not even there um despite both of them being only two games under 500 there's too many good teams but i think the lakers get to the plan i don't think they make it out of the plan though i think uh i think they like you said i think they make it to the play in i don't think that they can get out because of how strong the west is yeah um you know you see teams like the clippers surging back now that paul george and Kawhi are i guess you could say regularly on the court but it's still a bit iffy of course kd coming in to the suns that's going to be huge. They mm-hmm. can, and that's what we're going to talk about here in the second. Uh, Dallas, Ky- Kyrie, and Luca, whatever happens there. The Pelicans, once they get Zion back with the Warriors, the once that, goes on. yeah, it's just every every hypothetical, even like those top three teams could easily bounce back um, with all yeah. the, with all how good the West is. Yeah, um, everything can shift around after this All Star break. I think the Lakers make it to the ten spot. I think they get bounced in that first game. I also think the seeding impact when we get to the playoffs won't even make a difference. I yeah. think that 
six-seeded Dallas can knock off one-seeded Denver in a seven-game series. The only the only team I'd say in the top seven right now that I'd be iffy about Sacramento. Yeah, well, that's just because we haven't seen. Yeah, them there. it's because that's because they're, it's because they're there's so no young. Reason, there's, there's no, no reason no, to trust them. There's no there's no experience there. That's all. Uh, well, talking about the Suns, I said we talked about them. Yeah. Can they get to the one seed? No, but I do think that it doesn't matter, and I think Phoenix is the best team in the Western Conference. They're back nine and a half games. That's not happening. You're not making up that ground. Um, there's 22 games left for Phoenix. They'd have to go say 18 and four. Denver goes uh, nine and 14. That's not going to happen. Um, but again, it doesn't matter. Phoenix is the best team in the Western Conference. They're the team to beat. They can finish anywhere. They can finish in the plan if they want to. Um, that's the team to beat. It doesn't matter where they finish. And KD reports coming out that he could return this Sunday. Oh, I'll get the popcorn. We'll see. Ready. We'll see the. I'll we'll see there. the first action of KD in Phoenix yeah. on Sunday. Hopefully, see how the dynamic works out. Well, let's move on to our big segment of the day, which will be our big segment for the the, the many weeks to come now. Like six weeks or so. And that's yeah, and that's uh, NCAA basketball. Kansas holding off TCU in a top twenty-five matchup last night. Yeah, and Kansas very quietly up to I think what are they in the new ranking number three, number four. I think they the they're bad. I mean they I they were top five. They were four last week, I think. I right. Think they're number so they're three, three now. now. UCLA's four. Um, Kansas looking good. Really, really good. But I quickly want to mention TCU um, dropping that game. Not looking good for them to make a run. Not that anyone would pick TCU to make it to the Final Four, but I do have a little tidbit for all you all you March Madness fanatics out there. Um, a Big 12 team, seeded 5 through 11 in uh, the tournament, hasn't made the Final Four since Kansas did so in 1988 when they were a six seed, and I believe they ended up winning the entire thing that year. That's the only time it has happened as well, period. Um, and since then, since 1988, 21 teams seeded 5 through 11 have made the Final Four. Wow. Not a single one has been from the Big 12, meaning TCU, you're looking at that 5-11 spot, and Iowa State is also looking at that 5-11 spot, the 5-11 line. Um, not that you're going to pick either of those to make the Final Four, but history, don't pick them um, at all. The don't caution. Pick. The caution. Beware. There's going to be a lot of a lot of don't picks this year. Yes, more so than do picks, there's yeah. going to be don't <laughs> yeah. picks. Um, we've got Tennessee taking down Bama. We, we predicted. We predicted. And, yeah, I predict. I straight up said after we say this, Tennessee will beat Bama tonight. Yes. It happened. Of course, it happened. But then they lose two straight. Yes. And uh, this is another prime example of a team not to pick. Um, I think they can make it out of the first weekend. They're just too too inconsistent. Depending depending on matchup, they're going to be a matchup oriented team for that first weekend. I'm not putting them in the Elite Eight. I don't think they make it past the Sweet 16. Tennessee, that is, Alabama. You lo- you're going to lose a game. That's not an issue. Tennessee's a good team. It's hard to go undefeated in conference play. Um, I don't have an issue. It doesn't mean anything in terms of Alabama. But Tennessee, I don't – I'm staying far, far away from them. Do you Making think Do you think Bama should have dropped back after that loss? Yeah, and I, I've said um, multiple times, Houston, they, they pretty much control their own, own destiny at this point. Um, if they win, if they're going to have less losses, they're going to stay higher than anyone else around them. That's just what it is. They're one of the most talented teams in the country, even with a weak schedule. Um, I don't have an issue with Alabama sliding back. Okay. Well, we've got Orange, the orange yeah. squeezed to a pulp. Yeah, big time. Uh, by the Blue Devils this past weekend here at the Dome. Yeah, we were we were bleeding. Uh, not only were the Orange getting squeezed, we were getting squeezed to, to blood. Oh, blood yeah. was coming out of us up in the nosebleeds. We were we were probably closer to the thirty yard line on the other on the other yeah. side of the field. You know, I was thinking 
um, this is what it's like to be at the Final Four. This <laughs> yeah. is what it's like to be in those NFL stadiums that are hosting college basketball games, and you pay $2,000 to not see what's going on. That's what it was for me. I could see Judah Mintz do a windmill <laughs> dunk, and that was about it. I couldn't see what was going on. Um, Duke is not a good team, by the way, at all, and it just shows that Syracuse is bad, really bad. They're very bad. They'll, uh, they're sitting at, I think, the eight seed right yeah, now in, in, the, in the ACC tournament, so... We'll see what happens. That comes up in t- two weeks now. Yeah. Uh, so right now they'd be facing UNC, um, which we'll actually talk about mm-hmm. in just a second here. Uh, first, we've got Texas squeaking out an overtime win against Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, Texas uh, following up with a um, followed that up with a blowout win over Iowa State. That is a team that you can trust. Yes. That's the type of thing that you want to see when they are shaky and they play uh, a conference opponent who's not very good. And they followed up by beating a top 25 opponent in convincing fa- convincing fashion. Looking at teams like Tennessee, looking at Purdue, for example. Um, that's how you know you can trust someone. If they get through those tough games and then they follow it up with a confident blowout win. Horns up. Um, same way if they were to lose the game. That's how you know you can trust them. Horns up. Sure. <laughs> Horns up to maybe maybe the Elite Eight. Uh, we talk, we talked about Houston being at number one. Do you have anything else for that? Um, they're like Gonzaga. Over the years, they control their own fate. They're going to be a one seed. They might be the top overall seed. Gonzaga um, beating Pepperdine, might I add. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that they could even make the Final Four. I think they're not terrible. I don't think they're going to win the whole thing. Not even I don't think they're not going to win the whole thing. Just due to that uh, conference, just to the AAC. Um, I do think that they can make the Final Four, though, depending on who's in their uh, region with them. Um, they're a good team. They are good, but... No, doesn't no, bode well. No five slam and jamma this year. No, <laughs> but I do think that they can make the final four. Uh, well, we talk about Kansas and Kansas State, the older brother younger brother matchup. Yeah. We've got NC State taking down the older brother UNC this this week. Is UNC in fear of missing out on the tourney as being a preseason number one overall? Not only are they in fear, uh, they shouldn't be anywhere close to the NCAA tournament. They have the same record as Syracuse. They're both sixteen eleven. Uh, they're one game worse than ACC play. They're only 9-9. Nine and nine. They have no convincing wins in the ACC, in my opinion. They have no quad win, quad one wins, period, for the yeah. entire season. They're 0-9. Um, as you said, uh, preseason number one. They could become the first team ever to be a preseason number one and not make the tournament um, since the tournament expanded in 1985. This UNC's team stinks. There's no reason for them to even be on the bubble. They have no good wins at all. They have bad losses. There's nothing rewarding about it. I really them. think the only thing that is keeping them there is the fact that they were that preseason number one. And the fact they that they named UNC. Yeah, and, and they had that hype around them. Armando Baycott, of course, who is not good. He is no. not good. You can't convince me he's good. He's not good. Um, they, don't ha- they don't have it. They shouldn't be in the tournament. There's no, no reason for them to be sniffing a tournament spot. Uh, good for them. They're UNC. They're a historic program. They're not a good team this year. They will get blown out first round. I can promise you that. Uh, the only team that probably can they uh, that that probably can beat them is that Charleston team that we were talking about a couple yeah. weeks ago, <laughs> um, or that they could beat, I should say. But like r- realistically, they should not even be sniffing a spot. No, not even a play-in spot. No, uh, they're they're not a good team at all. Um, and yeah, I forget what I was gonna say, but. I don't like UNC. They're not good. They're I, right I don't either. Um, the madness has just begun, Wally. Yeah. It's just begun. I love it. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be amazing. Well, 
before all this madness kicks off in March, where can the people find us to keep up with all this? You can hit us up at Slinging Sports on Instagram, at Slinging underscore sports on Twitter. The number one way to know when new episodes drop, some sweet graphics uh, regarding content of what the episode will be. That's about it from me. Well, thank you all so much for tuning in to this episode of Slinging Sports Podcast. We will catch you guys in the next one. Peace. Peace.